Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unlocking the Potential of Assessments, the show that delves into creating, delivering, and reporting on fair and reliable assessments. In each episode, we chat with assessment luminaries, influencers, subject matter experts, and customers to discover and examine the latest in best practice guidance for all things assessment. I'm your host, John Kleeman, founder of Question Mark and EVP of Industry Relations and Business Development at Lonosity, the assessment technology company. Today, really pleased to welcome Dr. Gary A. Gates, who's Managing Director of Pearson View. Prior to joining Pearson, Gary was a company director of ITIS Holdings, PLC, a digital content company, and held management positions with British Nuclear Fuels, PLC, and British Energy. Gary received his PhD in computational physics from the University of Liverpool and graduated with honours from the University of York with a BSc in theoretical physics. Welcome, Gary. Thanks, John. Really, really, really glad to be here. And, and thanks for the invitation to to chat about assessments. I don't know whether I'm an illuminary, but I'll try my best. Well, I think you're fairly uh, ex- expert and, and interesting for, for our audience. So tell me, how did you move from being a nuclear physicist to in the assessment world? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question, John, and something people ask me uh, um, a lot of the time. I mean, actually, I was, yes, I was a theoretical physicist. I mean, you know, like Albert Einstein was. I wouldn't say I'm in Albert Einstein's sort of um, um, orbit, but actually, and I worked in the nuclear industry, so I used to do nuclear experiments, worked in industry and nuclear generation. And then I moved to this digital content company you, you talked about, ITIS Holdings, which was basically... I helped develop some of the technology around GPS and traffic information, and I helped internationalize that business, taking it from a UK-based business to all over the world, setting up joint ventures in South Africa and uh, China and other places, and really internationalized that business. And after 10 years of developing that, and the business was was in its next phase of of, um, looking for new owners, I decided to move on. And then that's when... um, um, Pearson View came knocking on the door, and they knocked on the door looking for someone who had uh, experience outside the U.S. developing a business. So I was brought on to Pearson View 12 years ago to um, to actually help grow our business outside outside North America. So that's how I got into into assessment. And when I got here, I didn't really I knew I knew about assessment like us all. We've we've all taken tests. And, you know, when we're at school, when we're in high school, what have you, and, and in college. But actually, when you look at the credentialing business and certification, it wasn't something I was, I would say, completely familiar with. But it's something when you think about it, it, it affects a lot of people uh, around the world in terms of what we do in this industry to really help people make progress in their lives. You think about the certifications that we do, not just you, but everyone in this industry, whether you're a nurse, a doctor, a dentist, an accountant, whether you're getting your driving license. You know, we have wine tasters. Unfortunately, undertakers need certifications as well. And um, and even ironmongers, believe it or not, and, and rope technicians. Who would have thought you need a certification to be a rope technician? But boats have got to be safe and things have got to be tied safely. So you need a certification. Yeah, no, I, I tend to think of it as sort of we're a gateway to life chances, and it's a really good industry to be in from that point of view. And how, when you came in from outside, any observations about the industry? Because we're all very used to it as you are now, but how was it then? I mean, I think I think the question, you know, this is you know, it's twelve years ago now. I, I I came into this industry, and I think I think the the thing for me and, and an observation would be that. 
is, as I said before, how diverse the industry is in terms of what certification does and what certification can bring. And I think when I look at, you know, I think some of the things we've seen, there's been tremendous changes in the industry since I've been here, particularly around what customers expect and understand. And also, you know, delivery modes, you know, online proctoring is becoming more, you know, modalities of testing is becoming more known around the industry and sort of expanded, obviously, since the pandemic. Sure, sure. And so you've been with Pearson and have been part of their growth for the last uh, 10, 12 years. What sort of things at Pearson are you proud of uh, achieving? I think the the thing is, and actually, I've I've actually been in this role as as leading the person business for a year now, a year yesterday. So it's my anniversary. I didn't get a big cake, but you congratulations! Know, I think that's after you leave. I think if you look at the sort of achievements we're proud of at Pearson View, I would say in terms of what we do, you know, we talked about that before in terms of our mission and our passion. Our passion is to help people make progress through their lives, through the certifications that we deliver. And one thing we like to say at VIEW is we, our vision is to turn learners into earners. So you think about the people that we normally see in the industry. These are people who have been, you know, they might have done the last formal sort of exam or test in in school when they were a learner, but now they want to get a certification or a license to actually practice to actually starting earning money. So that's, you know, I think that's one of the things that we're sort of achieving and proud of is how do we do that? The other thing is, you know, over the last 20 years, Pearson View has grown substantially. So we're proud of the growth that we do, but really we're also proud of the relationships we have with our customers and the partnerships that we've set up because you're only as good as the people you're working with. And also our culture as well. You know, we've got a very open culture. We're passionate about what we do and our test takers, you know, and the most important people that we serve. You know, we have, you know, 500 plus um, organizations we work with, test sponsors, whether that's, you know, whether it's getting your license to get your driving test or whether it's IT certifications or finance across a whole breadth of industries. But the most important people we serve is that test taker. You know, we know that people might have spent a year, two years actually getting ready to take this certification. And that's what we're passionate about is making sure that we can, you know, it's got to be a fair and valid test. And it's got to be in an environment which people are relaxed in and making sure our test takers are relaxed are important. The fact that they pass or fail, that's up to them in terms of their abilities because that's what the test is for. What we need to do is make sure they have a fair and valid testing experience. So I think what we're passionate about and a great achievement is making sure that we service every customer we can and test take in the best way. I mean, you know, last year in, in 2022, we delivered 18 and a half million tests and certifications. I mean, that's a lot of people we have to interact with. For sure, for sure. And it feels like as an outsider that Pearson View has become a little bit more open and a little less insular in recent times. Would you, is that fair? I mean, I think that's an interesting question. How do you, de- how do you define open? I think we've always been passionate with our customers and with our with our test takers and I think sometimes we might have been a bit too inwardly focused as opposed to more focused around the actual assessment industry as a whole. And that's something we're always looking to focus on and change as well. Because I think you know, one of the things for us as a business, I think there's one thing is that obviously we want to be successful as a business by us, you know, as Pearson View. 
but we also want to have an opportunity where we can help the, the business grow in terms of the certification business and work as an industry to make sure that we put the best interests in the industry for all of us in the industry, because it's important that we grow together. You know, obviously we, we have competitors and there's a competitive situation, which is fair and what is natural, but also we need as an industry to make sure we're working together with the industry-wide topics, making sure that people understand the value that we give and making sure that we can grow opportunities for everyone. That sounds good. And I know at the Association of Test Publishers, we're very pleased to have uh, Pearson support. So, if you've been a year as a CEO, what are you proud of achieving in your first year? And what do you see as your key priorities going forwards? I think, I mean, obviously, yes, as I said, uh, John, uh, you know, it's been a year in the role. I mean, I think I've had big shoes to step into because View's been extremely successful. I think um, you know, the first thing for us is making sure that we meet our financial plan. That's like any business, you know, any business, if you want to be successful, you have to meet your financial plan. And what I'd say is so far, so good, which is which is good to know. But actually, I think it's also continuing our growth and, and making sure that we we continue to grow. And we've seen, you know, we, we've signed new customers in 22, which will launch later this year. We've done some really significant renewals of business, which we're very proud of. And we've also made some strategic investments um, in 22. We haven't done uh, some for a, for a time. Obviously, the pandemic caused everyone to, you know, the world was very different then, but we've come out of that, I think, stronger, but also done some strategic investments, particularly in a small um, computer-based testing business in Brazil called Papona. Uh, and also, we um, we announced that we were acquiring PDRI, Personal Decisions Research Institute, which is basically a US-based business, and they, they do workforce assessment in the federal space in the US. That's something we announced back in December. Uh, it's subject to US regulatory approval, so that we're going through the approval process, but we're hoping that for that to close in, in the coming months. So I think you know, there are a few things that I'm proud of, and also proud of the fact that you know, we continue to serve our customers in the right way and make sure we, we focus on them. I was just going to ask you about um, delivery modes and test centers, because obviously there's quite a lot of discussion in the industry as to whether uh, test centers have a long-term future or wherever everybody will move to remote proctoring. And Pearson View probably is the largest uh, test center supplier. How do you see that I mean, that's a good question, John. I think one of the things I think is interesting is I think you know, online proctoring is here to stay. And obviously, with our product, we have a product called OnView that we, we've developed and we've continued. We, we've invested enormous amount in that technology over the last few years. Actually, it was an acquisition we made, I'd say, about seven years ago, if I remember rightly, but or six years ago. But we've built on that. But the thing about testing, it's it's choice for the candidate, but also you've got to have a fair and valid test. So what we're seeing, um, multi sort of modal delivery in terms of channel, what people want. I mean, one of the interesting things I alluded to before, we delivered 18 and a half million tests last year. Three million of those was via on online proctoring. And what is interesting is that is flat to, to 2021 in terms of the percentage. We did about, you know, the same percentage online proctoring exams. So it's here to stay. But I think it's about candidate choice, and it's also about what the test owner wants to do, the test sponsor, in terms of the, what modality they want, because there's still a lot of issues about security. But the other thing is, and this is the other thing I think is very important, which I always think about, I talk about, 
the customer. And one of the things I do think we're seeing in the industry is customer experience and giving customers choice is important. I mean, one of the things I would, you know, I always think about when I think about online proctoring is making sure that, you know, sometimes it's other effects that you've got to think about. And it's what I, I call the, the postman effect. You know, you imagine I've spent six months, 12 months actually preparing for my test. You know, fortunately, I've got my own office at home and I'm on a computer and I'm ready to take everything's working, internet's working, my exam starts. And I know that I've got to concentrate on this exam. And five minutes into the exam, someone knocks on the door. The postman knocks on the door to actually deliver a parcel. Then all of a sudden, the dog barks. The kids run into the room. All of a sudden, I don't have a valid testing experience. So I think you've got to think about not only the convenience, but also the tension for a, a test taker. What is the best environment for them? I mean, one of the things about online proctoring, of course, is you don't actually, you know, the, the actual test taker actually has to control the environment, part of the environment, the computer, the internet, and what have you. So that's another stress. So there's, there's stress factors that can happen. And the other thing is, I think there's also a equality point of view and fairness point of view. Some people do not have their own office. Some people don't have a space where they'd be comfortable to do a test. So I think you've got to be careful when you assume that, oh, online proctoring is the, you know, is the philosopher's stone for, for computer-based testing. I think it's one of the philosopher's stones, but it is not a, it is not everything. And that's something we're seeing because, you know, we're seeing that our customers don't want, you want it as a modality, but not for all customers. So I would say the test center is not dead. I think it's something that people want and we're seeing people want it and using it. And we're actually, actually we're expanding off the test center network, not reducing it. So, so that's interesting, and I think the inclusivity argument is is interesting because some people, as, as you say, can't don't don't have the computer resources at home and things. Is there not any sort of economic challenge in that test centers are much more expensive than online proctors, or does it not work that way? See, it's interesting because you know one of the analogies I like to use sometimes is I go and book a ticket on a on a plane, you know a big A380 with 600 seats, you know, or I go and have my own individual plane that I take off, which is more expensive. I mean, one of the things is that with online proctoring, you don't have, you obviously don't have the physical network, but when you think about it, one of the things you do, and it all depends on your proctoring ratio, or if you're using AI for proctoring, which we maybe will come on to later, but the cost dynamics of test center is extremely efficient when you've got high utilization. So actually, I would argue that you could actually deliver tests more economically, actually in a test center for certain types of tests when you've got high utilization. And, you know, it's like booking your seat in an airplane, you know, if you've got good utilization, then it's cheaper. So I think there's a misnomer in the industry, oh, online proctoring must be cheaper. You know, the other thing that you have to have, and this is the other problem that you have, is candidate experience. When the candidate controls half the environment, then what do they feel like in terms of making sure the candidate doesn't feel stressed and has problems? And the problems are nothing to do with the supplier of the service. It's, you know, a lot of the times the problem could be due to the candidate because they don't have the right environment. So, you know, that's a lot of things that we've developed to make sure that the environment is the best we can do, but you still don't have the same sort of, I would say, test center deliveries are much more controlled 
and it's a better user experience completely, I think. But that's that's my own personal view. That's a very interesting perspective. So let's move on to AI, as you mentioned it, and I think perhaps two angles of AI. One is AI for proctoring or proctoring support, and the other is any perspectives on ChatGPT and all this sort of generative AI that is taking the world by storm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's this... I mean, the first thing on proctoring, we, we use AI, but we use it in a in a way that is human sort of managed. So we use AI on our online proctoring where it might be, you know, things like object detection or a face moves out. So it's it's broad brush, but it's actually assisting a proctor. We would never use AI to make a decision about a candidate choice. It's always human managed and human controlled. And we think that's extremely important because there's, you know, there's a lot of been a lot of bias in AI discussions and understanding in those sort of things. So I think that's extremely important. We still think you need the human to be able to do that. We don't think the technology is up to it. And also I think it's it does give people on the other the candidate more angst. And we've seen that a lot in the higher ed industry recently, as we know, in the last 12 to 18 months. So, you know, that's one side of the AI. The other side of the AI is, you know, obviously chat GPT has been very high in the um, in the press over the last uh, month or so. And I think, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. And actually, I seen an article yesterday that said they're now thinking of charging for uh, premier access to, I think, £20 a month for some people because you can't get on it. It's really interesting. I think for the industry, you know, the two things, I think we should embrace it. We should embrace technology. We should not be afraid of it just in any way. I mean, I remember, can you remember search when life before a search engine? You know, Just I, about, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've got a search engine, an old search engine in my house, which is the Encyclopedia Botanica, you know, which I inherited from my father when he passed away. And that was when I was a, a child. The search engine, you know, you'd look in the first index, then you'd look for the book. Then we obviously got search engines with the evolution of the internet. Now, with this AI technology, you're getting even more now. I think there is a a threat to it in terms of cheating and obviously what people do. But actually, for the computer-based testing industry and using proctoring, in some ways, that doubles down on the fact that, you know, you need to have you know, proctoring is is a good way of making sure people aren't cheating. But I think from an opportunity point of view, you know, I think, you know, this technology could help us improve our security, I think, in terms of what we do. Also, test development in, in terms of developing test items. I think you could start to use that technology to do it. So I think I think it's an opportunity, not a threat. And I think it's something that, as an industry, we should embrace. And we know if you're seeing... You know, particularly in the schools and higher ed market, there's a lot of conversations now about, I heard quite recently, the schools are asking people not to do homework at home anymore because they'll just go on to GPT or actually saying you have to write essays with a pen. You know, we have to embrace, we don't want, we shouldn't be scared. And I think as an industry, I think it's something we should talk about at the industry level to actually make sure that we can give advice to our test owners and test takers alike because people will want to know what our response is. You know, and the other thing I think is important is that with search engines, chat GPT, AI, you know, the fact is nowadays it's not the information you know, it's how you use information. And that's what we're trying to do with our with any assessment is not exactly, you know, do you know the square root of two? Actually, do you know how to get the square root of two as opposed to do you know what the answer is? And that's, that, that's what, in the assessment industry, 
that we're experts at and we should uh, we should be open and look at the opportunity that this technology gives us no i i agree with you i think we're going to see a future where everybody's got ai assistance just like we've all got calculators or google and we need to adapt the kinds of things we assess to, to deal with that and it sounds like yeah. that's we're aligned on that so um i know that you've just uh person you've just brought out a, a value of certification uh survey that reviewed input from quite a lot of people do you want to share a little bit about that for our listeners yeah thanks john and that that's um you know yeah it's really interesting report and obviously any anyone can get you can get hold of it by on the person view website i think you have to click and you can download the 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 report which is extremely um detailed actually we do this every two years so it's the 2023 value of it certification and and as you know we do a lot of it certifications at view and this this is done in conjunction with our test sponsors but it's not about what we've done is we've spoken to over 21,000 candidates and people over 100, 176 countries and got a, a vast amount of information about what's going on in the certification, particularly as it, as it comes to IT. Maybe I could just highlight some. I mean, I, I can't go in. I, I'd love to hear that. Yes, it, yes. Go ahead. The graphs and things, but, you know, I welcome people to download it. But um, And I just love data as a physicist, as you probably uh, gather, but Anyway, a couple of key highlights. I think one of the one of the interesting things and, and something which I should think resonates for the whole industry is, you know, we ask people about whether they taking the certification, are they getting a better opportunity? And what was interesting is 37% got a salary increase directly related to their certification. Mm-hmm. 37%. 43% are expecting a salary uh, increase. And... Uh, I think it was about 37 or 20% got a promotion. So actually, that shows you the value of certification and what's happening if you have the right certification. So that's extremely powerful. I think the other interesting thing is a confidence question. We ask them, we ask people, how confident are they? What has that given them from a certification point of view? Have it taken those certifications they did? And 92% of people said they were more confident in terms of the work they were doing. And 81% said they're actually more confident to look for a new op- job opportunity, whether that's in the company they are or or moving elsewhere. So actually, as well as they could see better job opportunities, increased sort of uh, earnings, but also increased confidence, which is quite powerful And you know, when you're talking to these people. There was a couple of other things I thought was quite interesting. One of them was around the skills gap. And we were thinking that, you know, this skills gap in terms of going to, is going to shrink faster in the sense that what we did ask, we, we asked people, when did they start thinking about taking a certification? When did they take their first certification? You know, in terms of what percentage talked about that when they were learning in college, basically. Interestingly, 7% of baby boomers thought about certification when they were in learning, in their formal learning. 15% were millennials and 42% are in Gen Z. So what you're seeing is actually young people at a much younger age are thinking certification much earlier in their career, which I think is quite interesting for us as, as an industry. And I think that points to two things. One is the fact that the power of certification is seemed to be more relevant for people. I think the other thing is that, you know, we have all seen the, the news about how much more degrees are and getting undergraduate degrees getting quite expensive, particularly in the US. And I think people are seeing certification and particularly in the IT space 
as a way of getting their job and maybe thinking about, well, do I need a degree or maybe I don't need everything I used to need? And, you, you know, in terms of, in terms of, you know, actually using certification as a, as more of a stepping stone to actually getting your first job than just having an undergraduate degree or thinking about another opportunity and path into work. And I think the other thing that I just highlight is something related to the pandemic. I mean, what we did see, we think it's related to the pandemic is, you know, if you look at the future workspace and future future skills and IT skills, we've seen an increase. We actually... 65% of candidates and 55% of employees said they invested more in IT skills over the last few years, which we think is a, a direct effect of the pandemic where people are got to really have these sort of IT skills to be able to function. So I think they're sort of four of the sort of key highlights, but there's lots of data there. There's lots of graphs for people to mull over by region, by country, you know, by certification, um, it's really interesting. So if people want to dig in more, you know, look at our website and, and, and download the report. Thank you. I certainly will look at it. So look, as we uh, come towards the end of, of this podcast, what do you see as the major industry changes? How do you see the future of assessment? What's going to change or what are the key issues facing us the next few years? I think what I would say, John, I mean, we've talked about AI, which is obviously something that's on top of everyone's mind. I think the other thing is, and I alluded to this before, is I think customer experience, I think, is going to be extremely important. And I think this is, I think people are becoming more used to becoming consumers. I think if you look 15, 20 years ago, it would have been a case, well, you you know, that's your test. You know, I don't care. You know, you, you've got to find a way to get it, how you actually log on, how you spend. But nowadays, people are expecting more seamless experience. I think that's going to be something that as a as an industry, we have to think about. I mean, this goes back to the other question you said about modality. Are you in a test center? Are you online? It depends because, you know, the customer online might be good for them because I've said, but even a test center, it may be difficult to get there because there's not one in the region. So we have to think about that. In fact, from a person view perspective, we now have our own customer experience team looking at these things because we think it's so important that we're investing in this. I think the other thing is that many certifications now are global. And I think one of the things we're seeing is the ever-changing world of data privacy and, you know, candidate data and understanding that we've seen, you know, you new laws in China on, on, on data. We've obviously got Europe with GDPR and those sort of things. So I think, and, and the Middle East, we're seeing some things in the Middle East. So, and people understand now data, it's their data. So understanding how that changes and making sure as an industry, we can respond to that and make sure we can keep doing what we're doing to help people get their certifications. The other thing I think that we need to think about is the value of certification. You know, we've, we've talked about that, but, you know, we've seen, you know, particularly in uh, some emissions places, t test uh, emission space, test optional type of approach. So we need to, as an industry, keep driving the value of certification, looking at data, just like I've, I've alluded to with our value of IT certification report. That shows the real power of certification and what we do. So thinking about that, John, and to your next question is, is you said is what do I think about the future for certification and the industry? I think that personally, I think the future is is very bright. I mean, we all went through the pandemic and it was difficult for everyone, like it was for every industry. And I think I think we've come out of the pandemic actually stronger than when we went into the pandemic. I think one thing I would say, which is extremely important for the for us as an industry, is 
Why do I think it's bright? Well, the big thing at the moment is people are getting older, which is great. People are going to be living longer, but also people are going to be working longer. You know, we all see everything going on in pensions around the world. And I think that means that people are going to have longer careers. And then there's a reskilling and learning opportunity. And I think one of the things I think for us is people think about their career paths. You know, my career path's been quite odd, as we talked about at the start, you know, from a physicist to where I am today. But in between those, you, you, you've done lear- I've done learning and I've done various things to improve things I didn't learn at college. I didn't know what discounted cash flow was as a theoretical physicist. But I think, you know, you have to learn those things and you can get certification. So I think the future is bright because I think, as you've seen in our I- future of IT certification, it's very valid. And I think as people want to reskill and things change, you know, who knows what's going to happen with jobs, with the AI like chat, uh, GPT, quantum computing, something I'm quite interested in, you know, what's that going to do to the world and the industry? We are still a very, you know, human centric is so important. I think where the value for us is as an industry is thinking about how we can help turn those learners into earners and make that a sort of a lifelong sort of journey for people to get their certifications they need because most people at you know in the mid 30s 40s don't want to go back to college to learn for two years they can do some learning and a certification to prove it it helps them sustain their life and also get progress through their certification so i think it's bright i think the other thing i would say is an industry we need to work together to make sure we can tell that message and and create an environment which which we talk about these things. Lovely to hear. And I, I really love that vision. And I think it's a vision a lot of our listeners, I suspect, will be able to buy into as well. Thank you, Gary. Uh, really appreciate you sharing your thoughts. And thank you also to all our listeners. We appreciate your support. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed this podcast, why not follow us through your favorite listening platform? Also, please reach out to me directly at john at questionmark.com with any questions, comments, or you'd like to keep the conversation going. And you can also check out the Pearson View uh, survey on the Pearson View website and also the question mark website at questionmark.com has some best practice webinars that we'd love you to join we host monthly thanks again everybody and please tune in for another exciting podcast discussion we'll be releasing shortly mm-hmm.